Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Just give me a few moments. I promise you I won't take long, says every pastor on Easter and every Sunday. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 20. We've been in a series called Close, talking about close encounters with Jesus. Um, something ha- it's, it's just something that happens in a life that has been affected by Jesus. Like you can always tell when Jesus got close to people because the people would never be the same, amen? So we've been talking about these close encounters with Jesus and I specifically saved this encounter for Easter because, man, God dropped a word on my, on my spirit about, about this individual that we're gonna read about today. In John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, and if you don't have a, let me see, if you actually got like a leather-bound Bible, you still bring Bibles to church, come on. Wave it in the air, wave it like you just don't care. Come on, somebody, I love that. Hold up them phones, let me see if you got your phone. Come on, don't be shy. You can't cast out a demon with that, but you all right. What you gonna do when your battery dies? In the name of Jesus, wait, wait till I get a charge. No. (laughs) Oh man, it's all good. If you got your phone, get on the Cool Church app. Everything that I'm gonna say, the notes are right on the app. And if you're old school and you brought like a big old notebook like I like to bring to church sometimes, um, you have a desk right there. That's That's the fun part about being in the school. Just flip your desk out. And then drop your Bible on there. You could take notes just like that. And the church said, man, holla at everybody out in the overflow, man. I'm so proud of y'all for making it. You may, listen, they're going to talk about you because you know the people in here, they petty. They be like, you came late. That's why you got to sit. But I, I, I'm proud of you because you made it because some people ain't make it. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. John chapter 20 verses 24 through 29 reads something like this. Now Thomas, known as Didymus, Didymus is translated as twin. Thomas is meant to be seen as the twin of humanity. When you look at Thomas, you should be looking in a mirror because you should see yourself. Thomas is your twin. Now Thomas, known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples. You heard that? Was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, I love Thomas, man, because this sounds like some, some, some stupid I would say. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Mm-mm-mm. A week later, His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Now he was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. I love that. It says, peace be with you. Jesus, man. Wow. He said, I don't even need to open the door to come be with y'all fools. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, 
my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those that have not seen, yet still believe. That's a great place to say amen. If you're taking notes on this Easter message, on this beautiful Sunday, I've entitled it this, The Significance of Scars. Significance of Scars. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you for this day because this is the day that you have made, God. May we rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears are open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. It's the name above all names. He's who we came here to see, God. So don't let people see me. Let them see you. God, I pray that you introduce yourself to somebody that doesn't know you. And God, I pray you reintroduce yourself that those that might have known you but haven't seen you in a long time. I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this message the most. God, may they, may st may they stop doubting and believe. May they stop doubting and believe. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said, Take about five seconds to give Jesus one more shout of praise. Come on. If the uh, team can help me, give me a little house light so I can see some people's faces. You ain't got to go too high, but I want to see some of these Easter outfits today. Some of y'all been planning these outfits for months, so I want to make sure. He's like, I ain't been to church since 2020, but I, I figure on Easter, I got to come out with my best. And the church said... Come on, y'all look so good today. Let me ask you a question. Just to answer me by raising your hand. Does anybody in this room have a scar? I don't think you can be alive if you don't have a scar. I think every human I know has some type of scar. And, you know, some of us, we have scars that we just don't want to talk about because, you know, the... the the incidences that have brought about those scars are very traumatic. So our scar is a reminder of something that maybe we actually really want to forget. But everybody has some type of scars. Some scars are not skin deep. Some scars hit you right at your heart. So many different types of scars that people have. I have, I have a scar. And unlike other people, I actually think my scar is pretty cool. Y'all want to see my scar? No. no. I'm going to show it to you anyway. Show them a scar. Bam. It's a little graphic. Okay. My arm right here got sliced. So I have this permanent scar. Now, the beautiful thing about a scar is all scars come with a story. Y'all want to hear how I got this scar? I'm going to tell you. Show the next picture. That's how I got it. <laughs> so I was whitewater rafting. Just so you know, like, I'm not, like, making. I was whitewater rafting. 
Because me, me and my wife, we love to take vacations. And this is probably one of the most epic vacations we ever had. We went to Thailand. Anybody ever been to Thailand? Come on, let's go. This, I, thank God it's, I'm not by myself, man. Me, hey, we here, man. We here. I love Thailand because you can do everything. You can ride elephants. You can go on safaris. You can go whitewater rafting. I mean, it's awesome. Put the picture back up. Who told y'all to take the picture down? I like that picture. Like, how, how, did I, how did we, like, how are me and Joanne the only ones that happen to know where the camera is? You notice that? Leave it to black folk. We're going to find our moment to shine wherever we are. So, we, we on this thing and we whitewater rafting. And see, this picture is before the scar. So, we having a good old time, and you see I'm in the front. You know, they said they put the strongest in the front. <laughs> they had me in the front, and, uh, you know, this, this dude, he was, there, he was cool too, and then my wife was right there. But see, when we going on adventures, I get worried about my wife because my wife is, let's say, um, <laughs> she's not always the most coordinated she coordinated with outfits. But when we talking about physical activities, man, it can go awry real quick. So we was going down this thing, and then the turbulence and the waves was getting crazy. And next thing I know, my wife that was next to me, as we went down, we bumped back up as we hit this rock, and I began to see her fly. And with my cat-like instincts, I reached out at the last moment. I grabbed her vest like this. And as I went to grab her like this, I was grabbing her, but I did not see the sharp rock that was there. And it sliced my arm, but I don't care. Because I saved my baby. And the church said, if I didn't do that, we'd have started cool church with one of us. That's a cool story, ain't it? I saved her, y'all. I'm a hero. You loved that story, didn't you? Can I be honest with y'all? That's not what happened. Lord, I pray right now that you forgive me on this Easter Sunday because I just stood in front of the whole church and lied. But God, I did it for your will, not my will. I pray that your will be done. I lied because I was trying to tell them a cool story that will make them interested in you. Please forgive me in Jesus' name. I'm probably the only pastor in the world that lied on Easter Sunday. That's not what happened. You actually really want to know what happened? I moved into my new house, and, um, and I was gardening, and I was trying to hold up a big metal pot, and the corner of the pot slipped and cut my arm. I did not cut myself whitewater rafting, saving the love of my life. And she was looking at me the whole time like, you bold-faced liar. I cut my arm gardening and I have the scar to prove it. 
Man, I wish that story was cool. Now you can take that picture down. I don't want to see it. It disgusts me now. <laughs> Scars are a reminder of a story. I will never forget how I scarred my arm as uninteresting as it may actually be because I have the scar to prove what I went through. Today, I want to tell you a piece of the greatest story ever told about our Savior, but the truth of the matter is he actually has the scars to prove it. I talk to people all the time that doubt who Jesus is that he says he is, and they want proof. I get it. Like, I can understand why people in 2022 want proof. When we read about a person like Thomas, who was one of his disciples that walked and talked and lived with Jesus for three years, he gets crucified. He sees all these miracles that Jesus did pre-crucifixion. But when he gets crucified, hope dies, and then he doubts that the other disciples actually had an encounter with him. I have no question why we may doubt God in 2022 because if one of his disciples who is with him can doubt him, I understand why we do too. So many of us have doubt and people want proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe that the miracle that Christ performed to remove Thomas's doubt can give us a real insight into the significance of scars. Let's dig closer into this story to see what happens when Thomas gets close to Jesus. Well, the first thing that I want to talk about, if you got your notes, you can write this down, is that Thomas has doubt. You ever doubted anything before? Thomas has doubt. Look at what John 20, 24 through 25 says. It says, now, Thomas, known as Didymus, or twin, was one of the 12. It says one, was one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. The disciples were in hiding. They were Jesus followers. And people were seeking out Jesus followers so that they would meet the same fate that Jesus met. So the disciples were, were hiding out. They were in a bit of a hideout. And the first time that they were hiding out, Thomas was not there. Who knows where Thomas was? Could you imagine walking, talking, living, breathing, eating uh, with Jesus, seeing miracles all the time for three years, and then one, one day the, the one that you were hoping in just dies? When Jesus died, Thomas's hope died with him. So Thomas he misses the meeting. Like, like, I don't know about you, when I'm born and lost, a lot of times, I don't want to be around people. So Thomas is like, man, later for y'all. I need to be by myself, man. I'm in mourning. I can't really deal with this situation. And Thomas, as I've read this story so many times growing up, even in, in Sunday school, I remember anytime they would read this story, they used to call it the story of doubting Thomas. Y'all ever heard of call that? Doubt? That's not fair. That's really not fair that we've done that to Thomas throughout these years. Doubt, we call this man doubting because he had doubt one time. We've, we have made this a characteristic of this human because he had a moment. 
Listen, I know Thomas wasn't a doubter. As a matter of fact, Thomas had faith. He was one of the original apostles that was actually a missionary that took the gospel to India. And because he believed so much in Jesus, he was run through with a spear and died a martyr's death for Jesus. Thomas was not a doubter. Thomas was a believer. He was an actual believer, but he gets labeled as a doubter because he had doubt. Thomas was not a doubter. He had doubt. You ever been in doubt before? Thomas gets labeled something that is different from the rest of the disciples, but the only difference between Thomas and the other disciples was that Thomas missed the meeting. Because if Thomas was there the first time that Jesus shows up, he would have seen, he would have known, he wouldn't have had a problem, but Thomas missed the meeting. Because Thomas misses the meeting, he doesn't want to take the word of his brothers. He doesn't want it because he wants to see for himself. Thomas doubted because he didn't show up and had to hear about it from everybody else. Let me ask you something. You ever, you ever missed like a really dope party and had to hear, hear about it from everybody else? He's like, you missed some, some cool event and then you had to hear about it later from everybody, what do you do? You turn into a hater. <laughs> it wasn't that good. It couldn't have been good. I wasn't there, so it wasn't good. You start, you know what you do? And I do this too. When you miss the event that everybody talks about, you start downplaying it. You start downplaying it like it wasn't good because you were not a part of it. And I could see Thomas doing this. Jesus shows up, disciples like, oh my good Jesus! Their voice changed octaves. Jesus, you back? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm back. I, to I told, did y'all listen to anything I said for the last three years? I told y'all I was coming back. So Thomas misses that. Thomas comes in and they're like, Thomas! You're not even gonna believe it, yo. Jesus came back. He's like, yo, y'all tripping. Y'all, y'all had too much communion. Y'all on that Jesus juice. Y'all tripping. There's no way you could have seen. I saw him down the cross myself. I had all my hopes and dreams in him. I watched him do miracles and I watched him kill a miracle right in front of me. It's no way. There's no way Jesus came back. He downplayed what they believed because he was not there himself. But let me ask you a question. How you downplay Jesus? It ain't just Thomas. We do this all the time. I see people downplaying Jesus every day. Jesus is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. One third of the Godhead. He was redemption before creation. He is our salvation. And we only find salvation through one name, Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father except through him. But Thomas downplayed who Jesus was. Nah, there's no way. There's no way. We do this all the time because Jesus in popular culture gets downplayed all the time, doesn't he? You, you see people and they say stuff like, Jesus was a good teacher, but there's no way he's God. Jesus like, ah, I, I, he was a prophet, I, I give you that much, but he can't be God. Je Jesus? Hey, hey, them, them stories them stories, them stories in the Bible are entertaining, but it couldn't have really happened. Like, like Jesus is my homeboy, but he ain't my savior. 
Like, I like Jesus. He's cool. But this whole faith thing, nah, I can't really get down with that. We downplay Jesus in popular culture all the time. There's people that I love in my life that do not play Jesus, and I have conversations with them, and they downplay who he is all the time, and it's frustrating because I'm trying to love people through the process, but it's hard to hear people talk bad about Jesus. Like, it's offensive to me, but I still know I got to love people in the process. So I listen, and I find that it is, it is just so, people talk about Jesus so casually, man. Like, there's no reverence for who Jesus is. Like, Thomas, I understand, man. I get you. You were going through pain, so you tried to downplay the situation because you didn't see it for yourself. But you can downplay a situation, but please don't downplay Jesus. You want to talk about me as a pastor? Talk about me all you want to. Don't downplay Jesus. You want to talk about the church all you want to. You know what? Hey, maybe cool church ain't for you. I'm sure there's another church for you. But please don't downplay Jesus in the process. Don't downplay Jesus. You see, I understand Thomas was going through pain. But when you're in pain, you should not run away from Jesus. You should run towards him. There are people that walked in here today, and I'm so thankful that you are smart enough and in your pain, you did not run away from Jesus. You chose long without gas. Eventually, the car is useless. It is a giant paperweight if you do not put gas in it. And if I could be honest today, often some of us church folk and non-church folk are riding around on fumes because you've gone a week, you've gone two weeks, you've gone a month, you've gone three months, you've gone a year with no fuel and you wonder why your vehicle ain't working right. There's nothing wrong with your vehicle. You just forgot to go to the gas station. You forgot to come to God's house where he's always willing to fill you up. See, some of y'all still trying to survive off the message that you got on Christmas. And you said, oh, my fuel's getting low. I need to get in there on Easter and get another recharge to take me another six months. But the God that I serve says his mercies are new every morning. He wants to give you daily bread, not weekly bread, not monthly bread. He wants to give you daily bread. And you need to come and be a part of the gap so that you can get filled up to go and attack the week that is in front of you. But some of y'all riding on fumes. You riding on fumes and you complaining about the car. Man, your car looks so good, but it's useless without gas. And you say, I know, I know what some of y'all thinking. Pastor, gas price is high. <laughs> I heard somebody the other day Say, when, when, did, when, when did gas prices get smart? <laughs> they equated gas prices to GPAs. I don't want no valedictorian gas. I don't want no 4.20 gas. Give me some dumb gas. I want a 1.95. I want, I want gas to get dumb again. Where that, where that 99, where that 0.99, that is, that, that's not even failing. That's incomplete. <laughs> Pastor, the price of gas is high. You're right. The price of fuel is high inside of God's house and outside of God's house. 
The price is high for you to get filled up each and every week. So many sacrifices have been made for you to sit in the seat and consume the word that you are consuming right now. People had to sacrifice, but there is no greater sacrifice that any of us that have served you will ever have that compare to the sacrifice that was made for you by Jesus. He was willing to give his life to pay for you to get filled up. How many of you know that salvation is free but it ain't cheap somebody had to die in order for you to be saved and Jesus was willing to give his life on a cross and I love those old hymns that say Jesus paid it all you don't have to worry about it because the price at the pump was already paid all you gotta do is come to the house and receive it because his love his grace his mercy his salvation is free all you gotta do is receive it if you believe it say amen. amen salvation wasn't cheap Jesus had to die for it but it's free if you accept it don't be waiting forever to get filled up stop riding around on fumes don't miss the gathering because there is something about when you are present in God's house where you get filled up with the energy spiritually to be going on and on each and every week. Don't let what's happening in your physical deny you of things in the spiritual. It's too, it's too much going on. I can't go get a refill. I, I love it because people go get gas when they need it, but they don't feel their spirit when they need to. You complain about the gas price, but you still pay it. Fill up your soul with something that will care. I love my dad because every time we talk about, we love talking about sermons and stuff after, he always says, son, I heard what I needed to hear. I got filled up this week and I'm ready to go again this week and I can't wait till next week. Why? Because he comes to the station, he comes to the house and he gets filled of what he needs to get filled with so he can do what God has called him to do. If you believe it, say amen. But Thomas didn't get filled up because he missed the meeting. And because Thomas missed the meeting, he didn't want to hear it from the other disciples. So what does he do? Thomas requests proof. Thomas needs proof. John 20, 25 says, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. How crazy is that? You putting God to the test? Unless I see it. Unless, like he didn't even just want to see it, unless I put my finger in it, unless I touch it, unless I get close, I won't believe it. Thomas heard the testimony of 10 men who walked and talked with Jesus and still didn't believe. He needed to put his finger in the wound. He needed to put his hands where the nails were. And we can't knock Thomas because we're just as bad. From week to week, we see and hear the testimony from pastors, from friends, from family, people that we love and trust. There's some people that got to this room today and the only reason you got here is because people have been telling you about Jesus forever and you still ain't believe. Some of the same people, them same mamas that's been praying for you forever, them same grandma, she always talk, I'm sick of her. Every time she see me, just let me live my life. I'm sick of her. Keep praying for me, but I'm sick of her. You want the prayers, but you don't want the conviction. A whole nother message. Next week, come back. I'll be nicer. I promise. 
You got all these people telling you about how great Jesus is, and you still have doubts. I, I love when people testify. About, I love those people that every time I see them, they tell me a testimony. I love it because testimonies prevent you from taking the test. If you listen to enough testimony, like there's some stuff I heard people go through. I'm like, I will never go through that. I'm going to learn from you. And here's the thing, like, like everybody wants to have a powerful testimony. I heard people tell their testimonies because they said, oh, my testimony is not strong. Like I ain't, I ain't come back from a lot, so I'm, I'm not going to share my testimony. I, I ain't got one of them crazy testimonies, so don't nobody want to hear my testimony. And you know what I found? It's funny how most pope people don't believe in God until they are the center of a miracle. You ever notice that? Like it takes something real crazy to happen in your life. You're the center of the miracle. And you're like, oh, Jesus, you saved me from this cancer. Now I always believe in you. Jesus, you was Jehovah Jireh. You provided the funds when I ain't had nothing left. They was about to kick me out of my house. You showed up at the last minute. Lord, I'm with you till the end of the line. Most people don't want to believe in Jesus until they're the center of the miracle. But here's what people forget that want to be the center of the miracle. In order to be at the center of the miracle, you must be at the center of the trial. There's no need for a miracle if there's not already a problem. Miracles are the solution to a problem. You cannot be the center of a miracle if you are not at the center of a trial. You want to live with people's prosperity but never want to live through their problems. You never want to live through their pain. You never want to live through their issues, but you definitely want the miracle working power that God had to use to save them from their drama without ever having to go through the drama yourself. We want to be as blessed as others, but don't want to have to be saved from the same stuff. That interesting? Like, do you really want to have to be set free from sexual abuse? Like, really? I don't. Praise God for the people that have been, but I don't want that to be my testimony. Do you really want to have to be restored after a divorce? No, man, I don't want to get divorced. I want my marriage to work. I don't want me coming back from divorce to be my testimony. I'm not saying that God can't fix it. He can. I just don't want that to be my testimony. I don't want to have to be saved from suicide. There's some, there's some people in here today, and the reason they was worshiping and screaming so hard, because last week they wanted to take their own life, and they're just thankful that they're here right now. I don't want that to be my testimony, though. I hear you, and it is a powerful testimony. But man, the best lessons that are learned are the ones that you didn't have to go through to learn them. You see, do you want to be saved from the drama, or do you just want to be content that God hasn't had to pull you through the fire to fuel your faith. You shouldn't have to, this is what Thomas, Thomas wanted to see the scars, but you shouldn't have to see and feel other scars to see a savior because it's in the things that you cannot see and feel that you should see Jesus. That's why I thank God I ain't never seen the inside of a prison and I pray to God I never will. I don't need that to be my testimony because I learned before that ever had to be my testimony. I thank God I never had to see cancer to know that our God is a healer. I know 
know full and well that by his stripes I am healed and the mere fact that I am healthy today means that he is continually healing me all the time. I thank God I never had to see drug addiction. I have just said no my entire life and I am so thankful that that is my testimony. I thank God that I never had to be homeless to appreciate the home that I have right now. People say, Pastor, you ain't seen much. I say you're right. I've seen Jesus and that's enough. I don't need to go through all your craziness to see Jesus. I'm good. I don't need to put my fingers in the scars. I don't need to see the scars for myself. I've seen Jesus in my life in the things he has not allowed me to go through. Thank God. Never had to experience pain to see Jesus because I was smart enough to see his pain on the cross and know that was enough pain for the both of us. Like growing up, I was the youngest child, so I always had the advantage of seeing all the stupid stuff my brother and sister did before me. I watched all they whoopings. I watched all they punishments and I laughed with joy because they tortured me behind the scenes. But I didn't get in the same trouble they got into because I saw them and I already knew what my parents' response would be if I tried to do the same thing. And it brings me to an old saying that my mother has said for my entire life and she says it like this, those that don't hear must feel. Because Thomas could not hear the testimony, he wanted to feel the scars of Jesus. And there's so many of us that are going through pain and trauma right now because somebody tried to tell you, but you didn't want to listen to the testimony, so you had to feel the pain for yourself. Those that don't hear must feel. I don't have to see it like somebody or feel it like somebody to receive it or believe it for myself. Jesus is enough. That's why I love coming to the house and hearing testimonies and revelations 12 10 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony we overcome we get through we accomplish why because we don't make the same mistakes somebody else made we listen to their testimony because when you know better you do better so Thomas sets out to test Jesus his disciples were at the house again and Thomas was with them though the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand? Now reach your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I love verse 26 because it says, a week later the disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Let me tell you something. You can shut the door on Jesus. He'll still find a way to show up. Some of y'all been trying to shut the door on Jesus for a real long time, and you get mad every time he pops up. You think a lock and key is enough to keep your Savior out? You think your secrets are so hidden that he can't get all up in your business? 
Jesus is always going to find a way into your situation because he loves you so much, he actively pursues you. So it does not matter how much you try to push him out. He's going to be like Kool-Aid man, and he's going to burst in the scene and say, oh, yeah. When you say, oh, no, he's going to say, oh, yeah. He's going to come into play. I don't care if you lock the door. I don't care if you hide your kids, hide your wife. Jesus is going to find a way into your situation, and I don't care what you're thinking about today. You may not want Jesus in your situation, but the only reason he wants to come into your situation is to bring peace. That's why he says, peace be with you. You see, here's the thing about Jesus. He's a gentleman. He will stand at the door and knock, but let me tell you something. He only does that because he's a gentleman. When you try to test him like Thomas, he's going to kick the door down. As a matter of fact, he don't even need to do that. He just slides through the door like a ghost, but he is not a ghost. He is the Holy Ghost, and he will jump into your situation whenever he needs to just so that you know how However turbulent your situation is, however crazy your situation is, whatever fear you might be experiencing, whatever doubt you may be experiencing, Jesus will bust in your situation if you test him just so that he can bring you peace. If you believe it, say amen. He's only knocking because he's polite. But when you test him, Knocking goes out the window. He's going to deliver peace into your situation. Verse 27, though. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. I, like, he didn't even let him talk. Did you read that? Did you catch that? He burst into the situation. We don't see Thomas's retort. Like, like, if it was me and Jesus, first of all, the door's closed and the thing is locked and I'm standing there, and Jesus just busts in. I ain't even going to be happy. I'm going to be terrible. Jesus! I'm going to be calling for Jesus, not thinking that's Jesus. I rebuke whatever just came in this thing. Somebody asked a question the other day. What would you rather deal with, uh, ghosts or roaches? Somebody said, somebody said roaches because I don't want no spiritual battles. I'm with them. Like, I don't like roaches neither, but I don't want, I don't want no spiritual battle. Could you imagine? Jesus just pops in on you? Like, what do you do? Thomas is not even allowed to react. He's not even allowed to react. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand? This is what you asked for. This is the test you wanted. Reach out your hand, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus burst in. He turns the tables on Thomas. He doesn't even let him speak and says, just put your fingers in the scar in my hand inside. I love that Thomas tries to test Jesus, but here's the reality. The test taker cannot test the test maker. This is God's world. You just living in it. You try to test God all you want to, he going to flip that thing on you. The test taker cannot test the test maker. And I love this because Jesus, when he shows up, he doesn't even show up like, like this is the thing that's always bugged me about this story. Jesus shows back up and he's God. Like he had clearly enough power to raise himself from the grave. He was alive. And he showed himself. But the thing that's interesting is that he actually comes back with scars. 
Like, if I'm going to bring myself back to life, if I had that power and I got all beat up and scarred up, when I brought myself back to life, I was going to bring myself back as the best version of me possible. Like, the version I'm coming back with is going to have a hairline again. Like, like, I'm coming back hair game strong. No scars from gardening. Not Jesus. Jesus comes back with nail-scarred hands and feet, and he comes back with a, with a scar from his pierced side. It's like, God, why did Jesus come back with scars? He is God. He's part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. Why wouldn't you come back in your original glory? I find it amazing that Jesus is perfect, but he's willing to come back with scars. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak this so clear to me that even though Jesus is perfect, he's willing to hold on to our imperfection so that we could be seen as righteous in God's eyes. I'm gonna hold on to your scars. Because here's the thing, you can't look at the face of Jesus or the nail-scarred hands and feet of Jesus and ever be the same. You can't. There's no way. You see, I could imagine that scenario going like this. Jesus bursting in the room. Thomas terrified for his life. And before he can get out of word, Jesus says, shh. Thomas, you see my hand? I put it in your face for a reason. Touch right here. Touch right here. And I wasn't there, but as emotional as I am, if I was in Thomas's place, I would have looked at the face of Jesus and then I would have looked at the hands and the side of Jesus and I would have broke before him. Because here's the reality. When you look at the face of Jesus, you see perfection. When you look at the nail scars of Jesus, you know what you see? You no longer see perfection. You see yourself. You see what caused the nail scars in his hands and his feet in his side. For Jesus was the spotless lamb that takes away the sin of the world and only perfection could take away sin but he didn't just take away sin he took sin on himself and the evidence that Jesus took sin on himself is his scars so he looks in the face of Jesus and he sees perfection that he cannot match and he looks at the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and essentially he sees his sin. He sees a mirror. He sees, I did that to him. My sin did that to him. Thomas must have seen Jesus and broke down knowing that he created scars, his sin, your sin, my sin, created scars on the perfection of Jesus and he realized that his, his savior Jesus was literally willing to hold on to everything that he was in order to give him access 
to everything that Jesus was. He gave him a shot at paradise by showing him the marks on his hand. But I believe there's another reason that scars are important. And I'll put it to you like this. This may make it a little simpler. It may make it a little clearer for you. I was, it seemed like every time I'm driving home from church, something's happening. Driving home a few weeks back, it was a rainy Sunday, and we were on the turnpike. Remember, love? It was my wife, my daughter, and my brother-in-law in the car. It was raining, and I'm driving down the expressway, and as I'm driving, I hear a pop. I'm like, what is that? And it sounded like something hit my windshield. It was so loud, but it was hard to tell through the raindrops. And as the rain calmed down, I looked and I saw a giant, well, it wasn't a giant. It was probably about a quarter size crack. Looked like a little spider web on my windshield. And where it was, it was literally directly in front of my eyes. Like out of the entire windshield, it was right in front of my eyes. Can you show the picture? That was it right there. That's my windshield. And I ain't gonna lie, like, I'm mad because, like, I take care of my car. Like, I believe in good stewardship. Like, my car's, like, at least the inside is always clean. I never understood people with, like, dirty cars on the inside. Like, you in there. I understand the outside. The inside, it rains here, so I get it. But the inside, like, that's you. So, <laughs> I'm driving around for a little bit like this, and I'm so annoyed. I'm like, I got to get this fixed. So I call Safe Light. Safe Light Repair, Safe Light Replace. <laughs> and they came. They came to my house just like on the commercial. I was like, oh, this is dope. And they was like, we got to assess the damage. I was waiting for them to take a big old windshield out of their truck and like stick it on my thing right there. They ain't do that. They tried to give me that little gel stuff. You see how it's like the gel filling the cracks and there ain't no crack no more? They did that to mine. It still looked like that. I was like, um... Bruh, you, you, you about to get an ill review because this ain't what the commercial said. He was like, sir, we put something in there so that the crack would not spread and you could drive with it, but it's probably going to annoy you because it's right in front of you. I said, you think? That's why I called you. He's like, well, if you want, your insurance covers it. We'll replace it for you. So I took my car to the safe light warehouse and they replaced my glass. They replaced the glass and as I looked through the glass, I was like happy because I was like, man, thank God, my car don't look like it got bullet holes in it no more, praise God. But when I looked through the glass, I felt the Holy Spirit speak something to me. And I thought it was very interesting because now that the spot is gone, I kind of missed the spot. I, I, could, I was annoyed by the spot because I was tired of looking at it. But now that the spot is gone, I miss the spot. The crack in my windshield was an indicator that my windshield had done its job. The mark that was right in front of me signified that 
my windshield did the job that it was designed to do. And every time I looked at that mark, it was evidence that my windshield protected me. And I want you to understand that the scars in the hands and feet and side of Jesus are indicators that Jesus finished a job well done on the cross. When he said that it was finished, he made sure that we had evidence that he had protected us. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. The things that scarred Jesus are things that would have killed you and me. When I saw that scar, the Holy Spirit said, what would happen if there was no windshield there to protect you? If a rock can do that to a windshield, what would it have done to your face? The crack. The scar was the evidence of a job well done. And I need somebody to understand the power or the significance of scars because the things that Jesus protects us from are things that are designed to kill us but God. For Romans 6.23 says, but the wages of sin is death, but we're not here today because of the wages of sin or death. We're here today because but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I need you to understand the significance of scars today. There are things that the enemy has thrown right in your peripheral vision, right in your line of sight to kill you. But I want you to know, had it not been for Jesus standing in the way, you will be dead. But the gift of God is eternal life. So every time you see the nail scar feet of Jesus, you need to remember that somebody was standing in the way of death and because they stood in the way of death, you have access to salvation in Jesus Christ. So I don't get bothered by the scars of Jesus because I praise when I understand that those scars saved me from a certain death. But God stepped in at the last minute right on time to save me when I was trying to kill myself. I'm thankful for the scars of Jesus because the scars show me that he has protected me when I couldn't protect myself. If you believe it, say amen. With everybody standing in this place, The significance of the scars show evidence of a job well done. Because when Thomas touched the scars, the first words out of his mouth was, my Lord, my God. He stopped doubting and he believed because he had the evidence of the scars and Jesus responds Thomas you are blessed because you have seen but blessed are those that have not seen yet still believe do you know we have access to a blessing Thomas could never have 
I don't know about you. I've never physically seen Jesus, but I know he's real because I think about the evidence that he's left me time and time again of all the things that he saved me from. And when I think about that, it gives me this thing called faith. So I haven't seen Jesus, but I have access to a blessing because the Bible says you are blessed when you have not seen, but you believe. Are there any believers out there today? Maybe you walked into this place and you got doubt. I want you to know there's so many times Jesus has protected you from things and you have no idea about. But the evidence is in his scars. Maybe you don't realize it, but that cross that we talk so much about, that's evidence of a job well done. But I'm so glad that the job didn't end on the cross. For three days later, Jesus rose again to let you know that you don't have to stay down. You don't have to stay dead. You don't have to stay hurt. You don't have to stay in fear. You don't have to stay scared. You don't have to stay in sorrow. Jesus died so that you could get back up again. With every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple and my call is clear. In this room, in the overflow, and at home, you say, Pastor, I ain't going to lie. I've had my doubts, but you know, when I really think about it, Jesus really has saved me time and time again. Well, if you believe that, then what the Bible says is true. If you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead, then you're saved. Here's the thing. If I can't convince you that Jesus' scars are enough, look at your own. Some of you got scars from things that you've recovered from, and you need to look at that as a reminder that Jesus saved you. He saved you from that hospital bed. He saved you from that surgery. He saved you from that fall. He saved you from that abusive relationship when that person beat you within an inch of your life. He saved you time and time again. And you got the scars to prove it. If, if Jesus' scars aren't enough for you, look at your own and know that he saved you. And he set you free in order to have a relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple, my call is clear. If you want Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, maybe you've never said that prayer before. I'm talking to you. Maybe you have said it before, but it's been a long time since you got filled up. You've been away from him. I'm here to tell you, stop missing the meeting. It's time to come home. If you wanna come back to Jesus, I'm talking to you too. Wherever you are on the spectrum, you never known him, or you want to come back to him because you say, I don't need to see one more thing to know that Jesus is Lord. He's not just Lord. He is God, the supreme being, the creator of all things that made you and he loves you. And all he wants to do is show you how much he loves you. And he did it by sending his son to die on the cross 
and he bears the scars of his sacrifice for you and me. If you want to come to Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus, on the count of three, don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. They can't take your place on judgment day. This is for you and you alone. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I did this to give you an opportunity, a favorable time for the attainment of the goal. The time is now for you to receive salvation. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hold it up high enough and long enough for me to see it. I see you and 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 you. I said all those yous so that you know that you're not alone. Keep that hand up. If your hands up, step out into the aisles and walk down here. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray. Come right now. Don't be scared. Bible says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you in front of my father. Come. Today is the day. Come. If you're in the overflow, walk towards the screen. There's people at the front right now. Come. Come. you ain't got to do nothing alone I'm so proud of all of y'all if you're in the overflow if you walk to the front there should have been a prayer team down there for you but I always do this because I just want to make sure man my life's goal is to make sure heaven is as full as possible because I want to see all y'all again one day some of y'all might be scared I got the scars but I'm still scared I got doubt let me tell you something take one step out of doubt I promise Jesus will be there to catch you I promise you he will I'm only standing here today because I was like you I was scared let me tell you something I am probably the most cynical person in this room and I probably question more about the Bible than anybody in this room but I still believe because God saved me time and time again Maybe you're out there, your palms are sweaty, your heart is beating, you wanted to come down, but you were scared. Hey, you don't have to do it alone. I want you right now, look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab them by the hand and walk with them so they don't have to do it alone. Come on, do it right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you scared, I'll go with you. I just want to see. I want to just provide a little more time. I want to make sure, because this is already a big miracle, but I know. Who am I waiting on? Who am I waiting for? Let me see. Was I waiting for y'all? Yeah. Come. Come. I knew I was waiting for somebody. Yeah. I love it. I was waiting for y'all. Come. Come. Yeah. 
proud of you. If you're in the overflow, do the same thing. Say you're scared, I'll go with you. so proud of all y'all that came down here today. Family, I assume y'all know Jesus, so I need you to reach your hands towards them right now. If you're down here, reach your hands up like this. You say, why? Sign of surrender. If you're in overflow, do the same thing. Reach your hands up. Surrender. Romans 10, 9, when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart he was raised from the dead, I'm saved. Confess and believe. Confess and believe. Everybody here online, overflow, wherever you are, say this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But I admit it. But I admit it. Today, today, I lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it. I pray. Take it. I pray. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven. I reach to heaven. To receive your forgiveness. To receive your forgiveness. And take the place of my sin. The place of my sin. I ask, I ask that you would accept me. And to your wonderful family. To wonderful family. Today, today. 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 I give my life. I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You said that, and you meant it. No matter where you are, you're a brand new creation. See that sign? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. Look behind you. You got brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, cousins. On the count of three, I told you I got hands. I'm from Carroll City. I can catch. <laughs> On the count of three, they're going to clap for you louder than anybody's ever clapped for you in your life. And you're going to follow one of our awesome uh, culture team. They're going to give you this. There's a Bible in here, like a WWJD bracelet, a letter from me and Pastor Joe. Bunch of cool stuff just for you. It's our gift to you because we love you. Um, and if you have any questions, you need prayer, they'll answer them. I don't like when people get saved and they got questions and they have nobody to talk to. We'll answer whatever questions you got. And the ones we don't know, we'll go to the word for it. And we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Right? We'll figure it out. That's a terrible throw. <laughs> so on the count of three, I can't open up the ceiling and show you what they're doing in heaven. But the Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't imagine what they're doing right now. So on the count of three, Y'all gonna cheer for them like, no, better than we've been cheering for the Miami Heat all season. That's number one in the East. Okay? You ready? Because they cheering in heaven. So they're gonna help you hear what that sounds like. And then y'all gonna walk that way and they're gonna take you right outside. Promise you it's gonna be simple. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know that God loves them. Let them know they're sons and daughters of the Most High God.
Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.